0: Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. (laughs) Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to (laughs) bet? And we are underway.
1: Welcome to the Week 2 edition of the Action Network podcast. I am Chris Raybon of the Action Network, and I'll be joined shortly by the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stucky. And on this show, we're going to break down our top six ATS picks, just like we did in Week 1 on the Sunday Six Pack. Then we'll talk about our favorite over-under, our favorite teaser of the week, and we will combine our favorite Moneyline underdogs into a two-team parlay, see if that can hit for you guys, and finally, get you out of here with our most confident survivor pool pick of the week. Of course, if you want more betting info and analysis, go to actionnetwork.com slash NFL and download the Action Network app where you can follow Stucky and my picks, as well as track your bets in real time. But first, as always... We're going to preview the Thursday night game. It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers. It's not the best game,
0: but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football.
1: Ducky, I missed you, man. Happy week two. How was your week
0: one? Yeah, week one was good. It was nice to have uh, the NFL back, the craziness of, of Sunday. I grinded out a profit, which is always nice, nothing crazy, but you want to get out of the first Sunday with the profit, it's always a good feeling. And everyone just needs to chill out. But, you know, that's what you expect to happen in the NFL. Hot takes galore, a lot of airtime to fill up, so you have overreactions all over the place. I just want to remind everyone, last year, in week one, the Bucks, led by Ryan Fitzpatrick, beat the Saints in New Orleans, 48-40. This year, <laughs> Brian Fitzpatrick with the Dolphins lost 175 to nothing. Uh, it's just week one. The Bucks didn't go on to win the Super Bowl. The Saints were all right and should have went to the Super Bowl. But everyone just needs to relax. Let's just hold our horses on some of these hot takes. But we can try and capitalize that in the betting market.
1: Yeah, I, I like how you uh, you got that humble bragging that you grinded out of profit. I did as well, but it was uh, it was stressful. I was I was actually at a wedding this weekend. Uh, oh, who who scheduled the wedding uh, here? Somebody that likes international football more than American okay. football, and thus you know it's kind of a break. And you know it was rough, but it is what it is. Wish them all the best. That was fun. Let's talk about this Thursday night game. We have the the Tampa Bay Bucks going to Carolina to face the Panthers. Both teams coming off a loss. Tampa Bay really rough game for them. Jameis Winston under two hundred yards passing. Uh, as they fell to the San Francisco 49ers. And the Panthers lost a close one to the L.A. Rams at home. In the end, I think the Rams just had a little too much on offense. Of course, Christian McCaffrey went berserk. So now we have the Carolina Panthers favored by six and a half points over under 49 and a half. What are you doing with this game,
0: stuff? Those of you who aren't familiar with me on Twitter and or from our colleges podcast, you'll grow to learn that I despise Thursday night football at the NFL. And th- the reason is just that the quality of the product always tends to be awful. You, know, you have a short week, so teams aren't as prepared. They're just sloppier and you see it out on the field. So unless I have a really good reason to bet Thursday night football, I tend to stay away. I don't I don't like to force it. I can tell you that the Panthers are a great tease piece, especially right at seven if you want to tease them down. I compare this game sort of to the Colts Chargers game last week in that if it gets to a seven flat or if it gets to seven and a half, I think you have to look at the Bucs. you know, it's six and a half, you know, which is right where I make it. It's probably a stay away. I think the Panthers do find a way to win. I think that they have an advantage with the short week in that, you know, they're staying at home. They pretty much know what they are and what they want to do on offense. Now, not everything worked last week. And look, one of the games that I'm really mad about last week was that Panthers-Rams game. I said, the Rams are going to come out flat. I like the Panthers in the first half, and that's exactly what happened. You know, a couple missed field goals. There was a lateral that went the Rams' way. The Rams got dominated in that first half, but somehow were still leading. And they obviously, the Rams woke up in the second half. But the Bucs are still trying to figure things out in Bruce Arian's offense, and that showed last week with Jameis Winston. I mean, maybe it's just a day off at the office. And he just was snoozing. But look, there was two pick sixes that he had. And one was by Richard Sherman and one was by Witherspoon. None of them were great defensive plays. They were just bad throws. And Arian said at one point, Barber ran a wrong route. And so there was just mistiming and this offense looked off and it looks like they still have things to figure out. well, if that happens in week one, and now you have a quick turnaround into week two, that makes it a lot tougher. You only have three days of prep here. So I think the Panthers get it done. Line should be right around six and a half. If it gets to seven, seven and a half, maybe look at Bucks. Maybe it tees the Panthers down with a bunch of great teaser pieces that are offered on Sunday, which we'll get to later in the show. Most likely a game where I sit on the sidelines and just get more intel for future weeks.
1: Speaking of intel, if you. Check out the public betting percentages on the Action Network app uh, as we speak. 81% of the bets, 83% of the money on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, a contrarian bet against the public angle here. Uh, if this line, as you mentioned, does get to, to seven or greater, I, I think the, line, the correct line is six and a half uh, as it stands right now. We're also seeing... Uh, a little bit more of of the money, sixty six percent than bets, fifty four percent on the under in this game. So it's dropping to forty nine at some spots. Uh, I also think that 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 forty nine, forty nine and a half number. I wouldn't really touch it either. I see what you're saying. I do think that the Panthers come out strong. I I, I kind of called it last week. I mean, I don't know about this this you know, Jameis Winston in 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 this offense just because it's not really Bruce Arians. It's Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich, and they were talking about you know him. Checking it down more. And I just don't know if he knows how to play like that. And I think it might be a while before they figure it out. So I do see what you're saying with, hey, you know, short week might not be the time to invest. And it, the thing is, if you look back at Thursday night football uh, since 2003, uh, per our Bet Lab software, uh, you guys should go check that out if you're, you're really into getting just all the, the best uh, betting data going back for, for over a decade. Uh, but Thursday night home favorites are 70 and 44 against the spread. So, uh, that is a positive trend in favor of the Carolina Panthers. However, we do kind of see in week two and three, it is that time of year when everyone's overreacting. So it's only seven and six, small sample, obviously, but only seven and six for those Thursday home favorites uh, in weeks two and three. So probably it would have to get to seven and a half, I think, for me to really consider the Bucs. I think seven is just the correct one. I don't think you really... Um, doing anything with your money at that point. It, it's a good time to, because we talked about Jameis uh, for our coaches segment. And Stuck, I know I know you and I both, we're dedicating this one to Jameis Winston. And this is Coach Wally from the 1991 film Necessary Roughness.
0: You know how to play winning hard-nosed footballs? Play like a goddamn wild man. No, like a goddamn rampaging beast. And that's the way you're going to do it. You go out there, you take that fucking heads off, and you shit down their necks. Let us pray.
1: All right, Stuck. Time for the main event, the Sunday six-pack.
0: Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack.
1: All right, everybody, you know the drill. Stucky and I will draft three against the spread picks apiece and build our Sunday six-pack, our top pick is worth two points. Our other two picks are worth one point each. And then uh, we'll also get uh, an additional point for our favorite total if that hits, uh, which we'll get you right after. Uh, last week, uh, I went, uh, I got three points. You only got one, Stuck. So uh, you are in the rear view. You're going to have to catch up to me. I don't know if you ever will, but...
0: I'll give you three weeks before <laughs> I catch it. Go ahead. So you get the first pick this
1: week. Oh, man. I'm starting out with... <laughs> I mean, just a laughable spread. The, you know, the number one overreaction to, to last week, and it's the Miami Dolphins plus 19 and a half at home against the New England Patriots now. I'll give you two weeks before I catch you if you're going
0: to roll with the Dolphins every week.
1: <laughs> I didn't say I was going to do it every week, but when they're plus 19 and a half, and, and don't get me wrong, betting on them after the massacre, the massacre that occurred last week in Baltimore is absolutely disgusting. I know Joe Buck would agree, that is a disgusting act. The thing is, it's just too many points. The spread should be more in the, in the 15 and a half range, you know, kind of putting the difference between them losing by 14 points and, and them losing by 17 points. This number getting up to 19 and a half, some places it's at 19, some places it's at, it's at 20 with juice. Uh, that's just altogether too much, uh, especially for a game uh, that's in week two. You have a new coach. Uh, for the Dolphins, just a lot of uncertainty there. Brian Flores also familiar with the New England Patriots. I know a lot of people were surprised last early last season when the uh, the Detroit Lions ended up uh, getting a victory over New England early on in that in that season, and I think you know familiarity with Matt Patricia had something to do with it so all together I, I just think too many points Patriots coming off a, a you know a resounding win Sunday night against the Pittsburgh Steelers the Dolphins you know they have to want to get some respect back like they have to want to come out and play hard it's, it's at home it's in Miami we've seen teams struggle East Coast teams and, and colder weather teams struggle uh, when they go to Miami early in the season I think the Bears come to mind from early last year that was a 12 and 14 that it went to Miami and I believe they lost that game if I'm not mistaken uh, we've also seen the Patriots have some trouble against you know inferior Dolphin teams. You know when when they go to Miami in the past in uh, the Brady Belichick era. So. I think the Patriots are a better team. I think their defense is really strong. One of the reasons, they, it kind of, they started a lot faster this year against Pittsburgh. Sometimes we see the Patriots kind of stumble on defense through the first few weeks of the season. Uh, but uh, I just can't kind of get behind betting on the Patriots or any team at that spread. And I can't get, get behind not you know taking a shot at the underdog because these are the kind of picks you have to make. You're, you're betting numbers. If you want to be profitable long-term, you can't just pick the chalk um, in these spots. And if you're staying away, you're kind of leaving some value on the table. So I just think the Dolphins keep it a little bit closer than uh, the the spread would indicate, which I think is inflated again. I can't argue with the principle
0: of it. I'm a huge believer and preacher in the NFL specifically, even though this applies to all facets of life of buying low and selling high, which is what you think you're doing now with the Dolphins. The thing I can't wrap my head around is after what I saw last week, I don't know how bad the Dolphins are. I mean, you never want to let one week dictate but after all their departures and you know talk of quitting and they're tanking and I don't really know how bad this team is I mean the Ravens aren't the best team in the NFL and the Ravens look like they were Alabama playing you know one of the little sisters of the poor that they play in early in the season I would tend to maybe look at the under if you do like the Patriots this Patriots defense is legit there I don't know how Miami's gonna move the ball with that offensive line now look if this gets to three touchdowns I'm gonna have to hold my nose and click submit or have someone else, I'll have my girl do it for me. Uh, I don't know if I can hit submit. That's where I'm at. Now look, betting double-digit underdogs in the NFL is the way to go. It pains me to ever even think about betting a double-digit favorite. So I'm not looking at the Patriots here. I mean, since 1993, there's been 120 NFL teams favored by two touchdowns or more. They're 57 and 60 against, and three against the spread. So slightly under 50%. If they're 17 plus, doesn't happen often. Five and 15 against the spread. But going back to... Those 120 teams, uh, once again, you see this all the time, the Patriots are the exception. The Patriots are 12 and 6 against the spread as favorites of 14 or more points. And the, the Patriots are always the exception to these rules because what makes them so great is they only care about how are we executing this next play, this next drive. And one of the things I looked into recently was the Patriots would have a huge lead at the half they're not even a good fade in the second half when you think they just sit on it. They, they are really good against the spread in the second half team. But Brady, he's 12-3 and three straight up as a double-digit favorite on the road. The only three losses Brady has had as a double-digit favorite in Miami. So Miami has been his house of horrors. If uh, you do have any balls, Chris. <laughs> you know I'm going to
1: throw something on the money line, but I, just, I, I hear you, Stuck. I just, this is the way I'm looking at it. You mentioned your 120 teams and, and all the numbers with Brady, but my whole thing is, There's no spread that's supposed to be this high. Like if you take the best team in the league against the work, like the spread still shouldn't be 19 and a half. It's only happened eight times since 03 where it's been uh, higher than 17 and the underdog seven and one against the spread in those eight games. Betting the number, not the team. That's how they tell me to do it here at the Action Network. uh, Fair enough. Oh, and by the way,
0: even if I lose, I'd still be up three to two. So, boom. Well, that's if I don't hit this because the first pick is worth two points and you're going your you're two-pointers with the Dolphins. My first pick is, look, I'm going back to the well with my team, the only team I have a future on, a team I think the market has not caught up to yet. They caught up a little bit, the Green Bay Packers. Only laying three at home to the Minnesota Vikings. If I hear one more person on Twitter, one more Vikings fan from Skull Nation say, the Packers haven't beat the Vikings in 995 days – which will be the case by the time this kicks off. I'm not logging on the Twitter again. Yes, that's a true fact. The Packers have lost four straight to the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers didn't play one of them. Aaron Rodgers got hurt in the first series in another one of them. The third game, the Packers won at home, and then the refs called a personal foul for, you know, one of the defenders laying down wrong on the quarterback, you know, that terrible rule, which I hope never gets called again. And then the last game they won late last year. Minnesota fair. So I don't care about this recent history. The Packers team this year has a defense. And I brought this up on the podcast last time. You know, I said that their corners are more seasoned. You know, granted, they were playing Mitch Bortles. You've just been bortled. But their corners <laughs> look better, and they have safeties now. And their safety Amos made the game-saving pick. Darnold Savage looked like he fit perfectly in that robber position. And then the two Smiths, so Darius and Preston Smith, it's 16 total pressures and two and a half sacks in that first week. Packers have extra time to prep here. They played on Thursday night. Minnesota played on Sunday. The Vikings offensive line is an absolute disaster. Still, it's just a a mess. You know, and they're going to run the ball a ton. I also like the under teaser. For foreshadowing what my under might be but I just think this Packers defense is legit and that extra time off a lot of times people can just say it as a narrative blah 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 or a reason to back a team but I think it can really help the Packers here look their offense looked horrendous their new offense but they're playing on the road against one of the best defenses in the NFL Vikings great defense I think a step below the Bears but that time off it's going to help Riders at home, field goal. I haven't power rated better, so I think this line should be over a field goal. And don't forget about the Vikings' injuries in the secondary and Xavier Rhodes' decline. Look, the Falcons couldn't take advantage of it because... Because I bet on that. And their offensive line was a disaster, and it's all bagged up. But the Packers actually have a legit offensive line that can deal... With you know their complex blitzes with Hunter, it can deal with Griffin. So I think the Packers offense will obviously look better after that first game under the belt with extra rest. And the Packers defense is legit, people. It's gonna it's gonna keep improving, and the and I think that the markets are gonna realize that, and they're undervaluing how good of a defense and how much of an improvement it was from last year. So I like the Pack as my best pick, laying three at home.
1: A lot more conservative, but you are on the sharp side, uh, looking at the percentages on the Action Network app. Plus three. I can't believe this. I thought I was going to be with everyone else, swimming with the fish. No, they're, they're getting 63% of the tickets, uh, but only 42%. Of the money, so squares on one side, more tickets. Sharps on the other, more money. That's the right play. I think the line should be uh, at three and a half. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if this game went under, though. I think um, it opened at forty-six. Now it's down to forty-four. I think the better value is taking under forty-six because, like that twenty, that forty-five is a is a key number. Pack improved on defense now with the extra rest. Um, in a good spot. We haven't really seen the Vikes' passing game yet because they only threw ten passes last week. Let's go to my number two pick, and I'm going with the – and this one might surprise some people, but I'm going with the Washington Redskins plus 5.5 at home against the Dallas Cowboys. You know, the Washington Redskins were a team that probably scared a lot of people that uh, had the Eagles in Survivor because they jumped out to a, a lead on Philadelphia, uh, for, you know, for a while. Then they kind of, you know, choked it away. But, you know, I think that this game, you know, back, you know, back at home – I think people are kind of overreacting to the you know the Redskins losing and choking the game away, and then on the other side, the Dallas Cowboys playing uh, at home and, and kind of pulling away from the New York Giants with a lot of explosive plays. Now, uh, I think that number one, when you look at the Redskins uh, just by pure DVOA, they actually were better than the Eagles. Uh, what doomed the Redskins were uh, a lot of like penalties, a lot of mistakes, things like like that. And then explosive plays you had, you had, the, you know, Deshaun Jackson catching a, a couple bombs and it, it just, the game got out of hand, I think back at home, um, you know, with another week to prepare, I think they can kind of, and, and seeing how many explosive plays the Cowboys had on the other side, those are tough to repeat. Those are tough to predict. Um, so, so you kind of uh, count on them regressing in your projection model uh, to an extent. And, you know, when that happens, I think this game is a a lot more even. I think it should be more around a, a, a three-and-a-half, four-point line. With the Redskins at home, I think, you know, they're, they're getting the three points at home field advantage. You know, I don't think it should be any more than, hey, they're four points worse than than this te- than the Cowboys on a neutral field. Their offense, is as, as bad as we like to clown them for, Jordan Reed always gets hurt, and they have no receivers. I mean, Terry McLaurin looked pretty good. The Redskins were able to kind of move the football – Darius Geis gets hurt again. And so, you know, Adrian Peterson inactive. So they don't really have a running game uh, to, to, to lean on in this game. I think in this game, and and I'll talk about the uh, the, un, the total for this game later. Uh, it's at 46 and a half right now. But uh, you can probably guess which way I'm leaning. But I think with, with Adrian Peterson active, I think they will be able to kind of have a bit more of a sustaining run game. You know, the Cowboys, they will kind of play, you know, some zone and, and, and let the, the Redskins kind of pick up, you know, small yardage. And I just don't think this game gets out of hand the way games for these two teams got out of hand in week one. Cowboys were at home playing essentially the second worst defense it looks like right now, besides the Dolphins, who, of course, I'm betting on as well. And the Cowboys being a public team, a um, team that, that a lot of people like to bet on. They see a weak team like the Redskins, who everyone expects to be a bottom five team. Um, I think the line is just a little inflated. You know, It opened at, uh, at four, and it's ballooned up to five and a half, and I just think that number uh, is too big. Um, and if you look at Jay Gruden, another guy gets clowned all the time, most of the time, rightfully so. But in his career coaching the Washington Redskins, Jay Gruden, 31 and 24 as an underdog, uh, nine and five as an underdog since the start of the 2018 season. So this is a team that we just kind of rag on and pile on. And uh, what happens is the favorites get just a tad bit over overinflated with these lines. I wouldn't even be surprised if it moved to to, to six at kickoff. So, um, you know, I, I like the Redskins in this spot. I actually covered at home uh, against the Cowboys last season as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I will say that the Cowboys, the one thing I'll say about the Cowboys is that – and I was impressed by the Redskins' offense, and we did kind of call Deshaun Jackson burning Josh Norman. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's some questions I now have about the Eagles secondary without overreacting to one game, about some of their corners who might have looked good last year that I said where it's just coming from.
1: That, that defense, I don't think you expect that kind of game. My thing is penalties less likely to happen at home with the home crowd. You know, they had a ton of holding penalties. And then Adrian Peterson, I think, being active, you don't expect them to kind of lose their running game like, you know, in the, in the first half. Because when you see the opponent, you know, get a lot of explosive plays the week before, what do you do? You say, hey. The first thing we got to do is stop these explosive plays. Let's, you know, let's keep a safety back. Let's play some zones and do things like that. So I just think it's going to be a whole different game for both teams
0: there's a, you'll hear a lot of talk about this, maybe, about play action and some of the teams that were using it. And, you know, the, the Ravens use it over 50% of the time. The Cowboys use it almost 50% of the time as well. And then the Chiefs and Titans, all all those all four teams won. They, all four used it over 40% of the time. And the Cowboys, I think more, way more teams should do it. The Cowboys, with Kellen Moore calling plays, they're a perfect team to do it. I mean, they have a quarterback who can move an animal in the backfield And then three, you know, solid receiving options, guys who are pros that'll go out and catch the ball with a great offensive line. I mean, if they keep this up, that offense is going to be really, really scary this year in Dallas. But can't argue with your logic. I'll go with my second pick here. I'm going to go with the team I backed last week, and I'm going back to the well with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm a Zach Taylor believer. You know, he showed me why I believed in him last week with a great game plan and a game the Bengals should have won going away. But Andy Dalton had a career high in passing yards at his first start with this new scheme. John Ross actually looked like the John Ross we all thought. Wish I owned him in fantasy. Like
1: he was not even on my radar. That is my fault. Cause I, man, I wish I would have been on that guy.
0: Yeah. He, uh, Went absolutely bonkers, and you can count on this. She's going to burn Richard Sherman. And look, San Fran, one, if Weatherspoon could play like he did last week, and he had one of the best games at corner, excluding the pick six because that was just a gift. But he played really well, and that was a huge weak point besides the safeties on San Fran last year. And that's why no one threw at Sherman because they just really didn't have any other corner. But here's what I do like about the Bengals. The Bengals' defensive line. There's a lot of questions with this San Fran offensive line, their running game, their running back depth now with injuries. No, no, no
1: actually now now there's no Matt Breida is one of the most underrated backs in the like, I don't like I think but, that's but just, is it's just now. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fine. And I, and, I, yeah, he's liable to go down in, like, the second quarter as he, we've seen him do. But, like, I won't sit, sit here and say, oh, their running game is any worse off if you're giving, let's say, Matt Breida 17 carries versus, him, you know, Coleman 9 and, and Breida 7 or something. You know what I mean? Like, Breida is just as good, if not better. Uh, I know you're
0: ever. a Breida fan. But, look, they've taken a lot of injuries. And, yeah, Breida can go on at any time. But the Bengals' defensive line dominated that game like, against Seattle, yeah, which absolutely. all they do is run it. They are one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL last year. But even more importantly, what I really want to point out here is that the San Fran, are on the second road game in a row in week one, and you know, I, I think like 15 of the last 16 teams in week two that have played back-to-back road games have lost whatever. If you, if you increase the sample size, it might not be as great. But they're playing – Cincinnati here is playing the exact same defense as they played last week. This is the Pete Carroll, you know, cover three – You have Joe Mixon who's hurt for the Bengals. You know, their running game is very questionable, especially with their offensive line. So I think they're going to come out throwing a ton again and one of the comments that Taylor had in his presser was, look, and he knows he was with the Rams. He knows these, these Carroll, Seattle, and all his coaching tree defenses. Um, he knows that scheme. He knows how to attack it. And Dalton looked really comfortable. And they had just a lot of wrinkles that the Seahawks weren't ready for. The Seahawks have some questions in their secondary, especially if they're losing Earl Thomas. So does, so does San Fran. But this San Fran defense is exactly the same. And, you know, it's just, it's the Pete Carroll coaching tree. Uh, I think the Bengals get this done. I make them a field goal favorite. And I know it's getting close to there, but I, I love what I saw from Cincy. I think they take a ton from that. A team that was so down. The coaching changes obviously have made a huge difference. I think their defensive line can dominate. They can make Jimmy G throw it. And Jimmy G is, and that offense are just not in rhythm yet. I think Cincy wins.
1: Stuck, like you're disappointing me here though, because you started the show, you went into your whole rant about the, you can't overreact to week one. And, and here you go, taking, you know, two teams that they look good in week one. And like, I know we both kind of, we model this shit. We have our, our, our spreadsheets and whatnot. Passing efficiency decides games, right? And the bottom line is, I don't care how Jimmy G looked last week. I don't care how many yards Andy Dalton threw for against that Seattle defense. Jimmy G is a much better quarterback than Andy Dalton. First career, he's averaging eight and a half yards in attempt. Andy Dalton is a, is a yard less. Uh, I don't think that one game, especially without his top receiver, A.J. Green, and when obviously John Ross, you know, outlier performance there is necessarily more predictive than what we have to go off of with Jimmy G and what we have to go off of with Dalton in totality. I do think that um, the San Francisco defense is a little bit better. I think week two at home, I think everyone's on them. I think they come back down to earth. I'm hoping that you get this one wrong so that I can uh, I can extend my lead or, or, or get back in if the uh, – if the Dolphins don't, you know, take care of business. So we'll see how Did that works. If you were
0: wear one jersey for the rest of your life, would it be Jimmy G or Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray. I mean, coming back for the tie, giving me an extra cover
1: on my uh, two point pick. That was essentially the difference between us. Uh, in that terms was of just
0: such a. Daryl Bevel calling a timeout on a first down for the Lions. We know, we know he's in a Super Bowl great. call. Joe
1: Buck knows Daryl Bevel was just the greatest play caller of all time, right, Joe? That is a disgusting act. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, what's crazy is I, the most disappointing thing about that whole game for me was that I didn't get to watch it live. I was at a wedding at the dinner at, at that point. So all I see is, like, I, my, my Cardinals bet, you know, dead in the water. I missed it all on the live. had to go back and watch it. But let's get to the third pick. This is a team that did not salvage anything for me. Going back to the well, though, Atlanta plus two at home uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. Listen, you kind of hit on it, Stuck. I think the Eagles have question marks on the back end as they tend to do. Uh, I, I think that the, the fact that the Redskins had a better DVOA than them in a game that the Eagles won in the game that the Eagles may, maybe could have lost, should have lost, um, and, and kind of bailed themselves out with some explosive plays, which are, you know, again, harder to repeat at home now, you know, for the Falcons coming off a, a tough road loss uh, against the – and I should have I been more Uh, conservative I think with betting against Mike Zimmer when he's at home uh, really strong against the spread record for him with the Minnesota Vikings uh, that defense playing outstanding Uh, so so that was my bad but uh, listen I I think this is your what you said at the top this is an overreaction I think this line is another one of those lines where it should be a pick'em. I think it's fair to say the Eagles are a a better team than the Falcons Uh, I had the Eagles extremely high on our uh, you know preseason power ratings. I think I, I think they're up at number six for me. So I do like the Philadelphia Eagles with, with a healthy Carson Wentz. I, I love the Deshaun addition, which paid off right away. I think that adds bottom line yards per attempt to your passing efficiency, uh, Deshaun Jackson. That being said, this Eagle team, you know, going into uh, Atlanta where Atlanta plays, you know, Matt Ryan plays a lot better uh, in the dome, his yards per attempt jumps uh, about a, a yard up, um, you know, fr- from when he's on the road. Uh, it's just a tough matchup, and it's not one where um, I would back, you know, the, any, you know, a team like the Eagles uh, as a two-point favorite. I love the Falcons in this, but I think, I don't think they're three points worse um, than, the, than the Eagles on a neutral field, uh, so I think this line is just a little bit inflated based on the overreaction. I still think everything that, you know, kind of talked about with the Falcons last week uh, holds true. I think they're, I think their defense will be better, um, you know, with with some guys healthier. Uh, I think that the offense will ultimately be uh, more efficient. Uh, Didn't get to see it against Minnesota and just, uh, again, a a team that came to play at home, tough defense. I think Philadelphia is a totally different kind of team. Uh, The fact that they could kind of get torched, uh, you know, early on by the Redskins uh, in in that game, it's not like you're, you're taking like massive, something massive away from that, but it shows that they're vulnerable. It opened at a pick. The, the fact that it's moved uh, to minus two for the Eagles is just all overreaction to week one. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. Hopefully, I'm not 0-2 by the end of week two with picks on, with back in the Falcons.
0: Yeah, I want to know who's going to block for Atlanta because, I mean, they lost Chris Lindstrom, their starting guard, um, last week to injury. He's now an IR. McGarry, their right tackle, he can't really play the whole game because of a heart condition. Matthews looked atrocious. They're a pro bowler. He's supposed to be their rock at left tackle. So can they give Ryan time, you know, against Graham and Cox and Sweat and Barnett um, and, you know, whoever the Eagles are bringing up the middle? Can Ryan get enough time to take advantage of, I think, plus matchups down the field? So that's what I'll have my eye on. Yeah.
1: When we say, you know, don't overreact to week one, this is kind of getting into the nitty gritty, but it it applies to any week. But one of those things is like the offensive lines are going to look totally different in road games against tough defenses then when they're back at home um, the crowd is kind of on their side is not you know they can kind of set their protections better there's less likelihood to be penalties so in short I do think the offensive line will be better That that is kind of a classic reason why you don't want to to, to overreact to week one but let's uh let's let's keep it moving we got a lot to get to so uh stuck your last pick of our Sunday six pack.
0: Uh, I'm also going back to a team that burned me last week uh, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers betting against Brady and Belichick in Foxborough in Week One. You might say, "I, regret it. I don't." Some of the coaching decisions by Tomlin—you know—they were playing some man early, and then the Patriots were just running their rubs and picks early, and they didn't adjust. You got to get pressure. You have to play closer up on man. I mean, a lot of those picks and rubs were illegal as fuck, but the Patriots do it so well that it's so disguised that you can't really tell. They probably are practicing it right now because they're just so precise Dante Moncrief throwing a fade to him on third and goal at the one and then a field goal I don't know what the hell they were doing there Moncrief seven yards on 10 targets thanks for coming out
1: Moncrief goodbye well in fantasy but better Roethlisberger it might be that time because even last year the not overreacting the one week this is the last year thing like you did the whole thing with Antonio Brown and it was like oh is he declining well he had the most uncatchable balls in the league last year highest percentage among any you know uh, number one receiver Ben Roethlisberger has not been as accurate he has not been making as good decisions. For a while now. So the fact that they come out last week and, and score three points against that Patriot defense, like, yeah, I don't think you want to react, but not, not at all surprising. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, I don't think it's just the coaching I mean, he's feuded with his past OCs. I think it goes beyond that with, with Big Ben at this point. Like, I am a little bit concerned with the – I don't think the arm strength is necessarily declining or anything like that. I just think the decision-making hasn't been there. I mean, this guy – We had the league in interceptions as well
0: last year. There's some cause for concern in Pittsburgh. You know, there was some rust, I think, and then playing one of the best secondaries in all of mm-hmm. NFL. And oh, they absolutely. Locked up Schuster with Gilmore, who might be the best cover corner in the NFL, and and he put Schuster in jail until late in the game when they just let him go and let him out early on parole for the fourth quarter of meaningless yards. But this week, he's not going to be locked up, and they're going to put him in the slot. And the way that the the Seahawks play defense, he might go against Amadi, the rookie who looked horrendous last week, and it really prevented the Seahawks from doing a lot of their more complex defenses. He actually got hurt. So I mean, Schuster should have a field day this week, and you know, look, backed up. yeah, he, he's yeah, Schuster is banged up, but they say he's going to go, right? So Unless, yeah. lose his bet. So you know, like you should just we'll say get this. Him. This is the bet is more predicated on. I'm not afraid to buy the Steelers in a good spot at home, where they historically are great against the spread under Tomlin, especially after a loss. You know, I think he's like 65 percent against the spread after a double okay. digit loss. But it's yeah. more about the Seattle defense. I rewatched the Seattle. A Cincinnati game and Cincinnati could have had more yards. They could have had, you yes. know, Ross could have had more yards and yes. it's their secondary. He had some drops. They miss Earl Thomas. And I mentioned it before the way the San Fran scheme, Seattle scheme, it's the Pete Carroll scheme. They're going to play a lot of cover three in the middle of the field, close safety come down. They're going to try and stop the run. But because if you do that, you're going to have your free safety who needs to cover the middle third of the field and he has a lot of responsibility and they just don't have that right now. And you could tell in that game, there was also a lot of miscommunication. There was some, you know, missed reads on who has, who's covering who I think the Steelers are really going to take advantage. You're going to see their offense. Is, it's going to look night and day. And I don't necessarily think it's, Hey, the Steelers offense is back. It's look, I don't know who's covering that uh, Schuster in the slot. And Tedrick Thompson is not the answer at free safety. They miss – they miss – I can't even explain to you from watching that game how much they miss Earl Thomas in the middle. Patriots, really solid defensive line. They can defend this run. It's not a complex defense to prepare for. Their offensive line will give Roethlisberger time, um, and I think he can pick apart the Seattle secondary just like Dalton did. I think it spoke a lot to Taylor's game planning – and how more, you know, that more modern offense you're going to see in Cincinnati. But a lot of it also was the weaknesses on the back end of that Seattle really raw secondary that misses Earl Thomas. I think Steelers by seven plus.
1: I hesitate. You know, I think the issue for Seattle in this game, and probably why I'd lean, you know, the under is because. Pittsburgh's run defense is really strong they held Sony Michelle to 14 yards on 15 carries they ranked number four in pro football Focus's run defense grades as a team after one week so I I do think that that's going to be an issue for Seattle but at the same time it's like when Seattle knows that they are not going to be able to run that's when they tend to come out a little more aggressive and I wouldn't be surprised like if Pittsburgh plays man coverage book a Tyler Lockett touchdown like just book a deep touchdown to Tyler Lockett book a deep touchdown to DK Metcalf so like I think the line should be Three.
0: Look, this is sure. this fits into the buy low yeah. category. And how bad they looked last week. They're coming home now. They don't have to deal with Gilmore locking up Schuster. And it, I, you know, instead of Gilmore following him around, the maybe the best corner in the NFL, it's going to be Jamar Taylor or rookie Umadi. I mean, the secondary for Seattle has a long yeah. way to go. I mean, Tedrick Thompson. I think I was looking at Pro Football Focus. He he graded out as a twenty-five last week. Twenty-five. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it's yeah. And 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 I and instead I of Earl Thomas, you got
1: that. That's how Pittsburgh is going to have to win this game. They're going to have to, you know, be able to move the ball through the air, because I don't think you are going to be able to run a ton w- with Wagner and KJ right in the middle. I, th- I think the one concern for me probably is, is Ben Roethlisberger, you know, does he start turning the ball over again if-, if they're trying to throw it? Because that could also swing the game. So yeah, that- it's just like, I get it. Um, this is kind of a stay away for me. Let's go now to our favorite total of the week. Our favorite over-under pick. pick- it could be an over, it can be an under.
0: Stuck, you start us off. Um, I'll keep it short and sweet. I like the Green Bay, Minnesota under. If you follow me on the app, you saw I put that in at 45. So it's a 44 now, which makes it a little tougher. But I think Green Bay is going to go a little slower in pace, which they did in week one, but that could have been some growing pains and playing against the Bears. But I think they'll be on the slower side you know, early in the year as they're figuring out their new offense. Obviously, you're going to have Minnesota, which did look fast in neutral situations, but they're going to run it a ton. That's their new identity, apparently, on offense. I love this Packers defense. This Minnesota defense is solid. Division game, huge game. I think it's like, you know, first to 21 wins, 21 17 pack.
1: It looks like that is the sharp side. See, 71% of the tickets on the under, so uh, the public is on it too, but 86% uh, of the money uh, is on the under. I think, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of that was hit, um, you know, at that 46 and the 45 number, but if you do want it still, I think you do want to get it before, if it drops any lower than 44, then then you're looking at just a whole different kind of score, you know, 24-20, you can lose or whatnot. So if you do still, I would get it uh, at 44 and probably nothing lower. For my total, I am going to go with Dallas-Washington. Washington under forty-six and a half. I kind of waited out before. I think both of these teams had an outlying amount of explosive plays that they will now kind of look at, protect against that. I think both teams will run the ball more. Um, you're going to have the, the Redskins not losing Geis and then having uh, you know no one else active to really handle that load. And, and then for the Cowboys, I think they're going to ramp up uh, Ezekiel Elliott's workload a bit. They're on the road. You don't, you just don't expect uh, quite as many fireworks as you do. Uh, on the road as you do at home. And I think it's Washington defense. You know, I know they, they gave up some plays to Philly, but let's not forget Philly, uh, pretty good offense. I think we all expected that. Back at home, Washington, still a solid, I think, defense. I uh, do have some problems on, on at corner, Josh Norman, a shell of himself uh, as well. But uh, I just think it's going to be a totally different game script. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of AP. I think you're going to see a lot of Zeke. Uh, I think this is one of those ugly division games. You know, we we saw we saw teams put up a lot of points last week, and then they come and they play the, this divisional matchup, and it's a little just, more
0: conservative.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just not what you expect. So uh, like it under 46 and a half. Would love it if it got to 47. Don't think that uh, is going to happen. But if it does, I would really jump on it again. I Already got it. Uh, at uh, 46 and a half. Now, we'll quickly run through the remaining games uh, that we didn't hit on. We might hit on some of them later on, but the Colts are at the Titans. Titans are favored uh, by three in that one. I think there might be some value on the Colts there. Buffalo visiting the Giants. Uh, Buffalo favored by one and a half, 64% of the tickets, but only 46% of the money on the New York Giants. Talked about a little bit, but Arizona Baltimore, thirteen-five. Arizona visiting Baltimore. That game, I think, is going to be tough for Kyler Murray. Jaguars at Houston. Gardner Minshew starting 54% of the bet tickets, but only 18% of the money uh, on the Houston Texans. Saints. At the LA Rams, that line down to two and a half after opening at 359% of the bet tickets on the New Orleans Saints and 58% of the money. So sharp square agreement there, um, not, no real action. And then we have the Chargers favored by two and a half hosting the Detroit Lions. Stuck, anything on that one?
0: Yeah, I'm waiting for this to get to three and I want to take the Lions. I mean, I'm really low on this Chargers team, especially mainly because of all their injuries. I mean, all- I mean, if you look just their injuries from this past weekend, that was after Derwin James. Um, But, you know, their corner, Williams is on IR. They're just uh, all across the board, not even including Gordon. I think they're fine at running back. But this offensive line is a disaster. I mean, I think it's the worst offensive line in football. Um, So going on the road here without Derwin James, my boy, Hawk, going to have a huge game at tight end. I just need that three. If not, it's a pretty good tease piece. Sure. We have the
1: Kansas City Chiefs uh, visiting the Oakland Raiders. That line opened uh, around seven and a half, eight at most spots, down to seven. uh, Some sharp action backing the Raiders stuck. Anything there? Yeah,
0: I played, I just played this on a number. I think the Raiders might be a little better than people think. I just don't think that the Chiefs are ten and a half points better on a neutral field just yet. I still have questions about their defense. I think it should be six and a half, seven. So I played it at seven and a half. Pure numbers play. Start the car.
1: Chicago Bears at the Denver Broncos. Bears up to a a two-and-a-half point favorite in that game over under 41. Bears opened at one-and-a-half. We are seeing 81% of the public, but only 70% of the money uh, on the Chicago Bears uh, at minus two five. Stuck. Anything on that one?
0: Yeah, I don't care how square this gets. I like the Bears here. Extra rest versus the Broncos on a short week. Flacco behind an offensive line that now doesn't have its starting right tackle. A bad offensive line against that Bears front seven that was still flying around. The secondary is still great. Uh, I also split this first half money line. I've been over this before on the pod and written about it. Trubisky's a lot better in the first quarter in scripted play. See, so kind of get some of that in there. I just think the Bears' defense is way too good. And this Denver team, and um, trying not to overreact to one week is bad.
1: All right. Let's get into our teaser segment.
0: Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. This
1: segment is where Stuck and I each give our favorite two-team teaser. And for those unfamiliar, uh, a teaser is when you can buy extra points that count toward the spread. For the teams that you have included in in the teaser, we'll give a two-team teaser here. So you get better odds to win, essentially, because you're getting extra points, Um, you know, smaller payouts. So you're kind of trading some some payout for some security here, but definitely a a fun way to bet if you're kind of sick of just doing the same old, you know, sides, totals, and whatnot. So uh, Stuck, I know you have a great article up on ActionNetwork.com with your teaser strategies we talked about it last week so I don't want to kind of rehash all of that Um, but but just give us your
0: uh, favorite two-team teaser for this week yeah so you obviously want to go through the three and the seven so there's a bunch of options this week you know even with the Panthers if you wanted to start on Thursday night the Lions the Falcons but my favorite is the Saints and the Giants I think Giants Bills is going to be ugly as hell so the Giants sitting at one and a half point home dogs against the Bills this is a little overreaction with the Bills last week and the Giants getting blown out these are not these are two teams that are not that good crossing the three and seven at home against the Bills uh, I think is huge with the Giants in a best effort spot in their home opener and then the Saints uh, catching eight and a half Look, books want to get cute not give give me three here. I'll get cuter and I'll tease through the three and seven with the Saints in a game that should be high scoring. Both offenses should score. Saints obviously out for revenge. But keep in mind, if you look back at teams that lost the AFC and NFC Championship game, when they play the following year, they, the team that lost has only won like 40% of the time, covered like 45%. So you'll hear that revenge angle a lot. It doesn't really mean anything. It's just look at the matchups, cap the number. I won it three, three and a half here. But – it doesn't look like I'm going to get it, so I'll tease it through the 3 and 7. Uh, for
1: my teaser, I am going to go with the, the Falcons plus 1-5. I already mentioned that, so that's going through the 3 and the 7. Uh, and then I am going to go against you, and I'm going to take the 49ers, a, another 1.5-point underdog, so got two 1.5-point underdogs. Yeah, I like the 49ers as a tease.
0: Anytime yeah. you tease 1.5 or 2 above the touchdown, I'm with you, so we both can win that.
1: Okay, cool. But you're going to lose your pick, though. <laughs> uh, but let's, uh, let's keep it going. Now we're going to get into our Moneyline Parlay segment.
0: Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay.
1: In this segment, we each pick our favorite underdog on the Moneyline, and we will combine that into a, a parlay bet and uh, see what kind of odds we get uh, you can use the Action Network betting calculator to do these kind of things at actionnetwork.com and in the Action Network app. Stuck? So, who you got?
0: Look, I was going to get a little crazy here and go back to the well with the Jags. If you look back, they've owned... Deshaun Watson. That's because Deshaun Watson gets absolutely no protection. Uh, tons of- he has Tunsil, but still, just overall, I mean, he was getting hit all over the place against the Saints. The, pro- the difference is the Jaguars have a much better secondary; they can get much better pressure. And that's why he's just had terrible numbers. He has two touchdowns and one pick in three games against the Jags. Both games oh. were pretty ugly last year. I mean, look for Deshaun Watson: two touchdowns across three ga- over three, two total touchdowns of three games. He he does a lot for that team, and he's a magician back there. But it's just with no tight end over the middle of the field, and uh, you know, I don't think Kiki's going to be available. So I think the Jazz can keep that close. They, that number is crazy after what happened last week. Um, but I'm not going to go there. Um, I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts, who have dominated this year. I think they're 18-3. and three. But the Titans, look, we, we said don't overreact to one week. The Titans, I remember back in 2015, they won 42-14 at the Bucs. The next week they lost to the pathetic Browns. Well, Last week, and I want to throw this stat out there, they covered by more than 28 points. This has only happened, a team in week one covering by the spread by 28 or more points has only happened nine prior times since 2010. I think it actually, if you go back to 2007. And the following week, the team is 0-9 against the spread. This week, we actually have two teams that qualify. The Ravens covered by more than 28, and so did the Titans. The Titans were kind of gifted that game. I mean, look, their offense looked a lot better. They were running a lot more play action. I thought the play calling was better. You know, obviously Brown had a huge game at receiver, even though Humphreys and Davis did nothing. There was obviously like 200 yards of penalties that the Browns had, but it was much more than that because it took, it called back a bunch of big plays. The Browns were so undisciplined. I love this Colts offensive line. This Colts offensive line has just been doing absolute work. I think they were the, one of the best run-blocking units in all of football, you know, I don't think they're going to have the ton of success throwing it against you know the nickel packages of Tennessee with a lot of their talented corners. But look, they're going to feed Mack, who has, I think, 660 yards on 122 carries in his last six games with six touchdowns. This running game is electric. I love it. They're just going to go and pound the ball. I like the Colts plus 150-ish.
1: I don't hate that at all. I think people are sleeping on Jacoby Brissett, that offense under Frank Wright, totally different from, I think, what we saw you know, under Chuck Pagano and those guys in the previous regime. Uh, I am going to go for my pick. You know, I'm going to go with the Seattle Seahawks. And this goes back to last year. They're a team that can win every game uh, and they can lose every game. You know, sometimes they they get a little bogged down by their their kind of commitment to the run. I think this is a game where they see how uh, little success uh, the Patriots had for much of that game running on Pittsburgh, and they do open it up a little. And I think that works in, in Seattle's favor. And, and if Pittsburgh plays the same way, I think Pittsburgh is the more liable team to kind of turn the ball over and get give you these kind of variants essentially going in your favor. So you have the Indianapolis Colts plus 150 at the Titans. I have the Seattle Seahawks plus 170 at the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you put a... Uh, $100 bet on that you would win uh, 575 so about a little under a 6-1 to one payout. So we'll see if that one can hit. And now we'll wrap it up by doing our Survivor Pick of the Week. One pick. One chance to advance.
0: Survivor.
1: All right, both of our Survivors kind of, I mean, they barely hung on. Good thing we didn't, back these teams against the spread because, I mean, Seattle barely, Philadelphia looked like they were going to lose for, for, for part of that game as well.
0: So who you got this week, Stuck? Uh, I'm going with my boys at home against a, a rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterbacks in Baltimore have just been absolutely eaten alive <coughs> under John Harbor over the last 10, 11 years. I think that trend continues. You know, Arizona still no offensive line, still no corners. Still questionable defense. Ravens should be able to move it up and down the field. Huge special teams advantage. And, look, if you look back – by the way, this is a great pace difference. I mean, the Cardinals are going to be the fastest team in the NFL most likely. The Ravens are obviously going to run it a ton. I think the Cardinals are going to sell out. They're missing both their starting corners. You'll hit some – I think the Ravens will hit some more plays down the field with Andrews and or Brown. And I think the Ravens win easily. And, look, keep this in mind. Everyone's getting excited about Kyler Murray, including my uh, co-host here. But (laughs) this game was done and dusted. It was over. I think Kyler Murray was like 9 of 30 for seven yards over the first three quarters uh, against the Lions at home now with 17 people in the stands. I'm kidding. They actually had a lot of people come out. But this is in Baltimore on the road against a really good secondary, even if it is missing Jimmy Smith. And uh, I think things are going to get ugly here. So I'm going with the Ravens.
1: I would go with the Ravens, but I think this Houston Texans team facing a rookie, uh, a rookie quarterback who's not the number one overall pick, but just some guy, some middle round guy, Gardner Minshew. I feel more confident going with the Texans in this spot. They're not as big of a favorite, so I, I, I you know, that does mean that technically the the Ravens have better odds to win. Uh, you are so I-
0: afraid of Kyler Murray. It's silly, but
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, no, it's just, I could see a letdown spot. Admit I could see a letdown spot admit more for free- you. are afraid
0: of I'm afraid? I, mean, I love Kyler Murray. I have well, that's what I mean. You wouldn't use your survivor pick against him. <laughs> yeah, right? but, uh,
1: no, I, I would not use my survivor pick against him in this week because the Texans are going against Gardner Minshew in his first start. Again, I think they have better protection, uh, enough to win this game, whether it's ugly or not. I, I think the Texans, I just feel more confident about the Texans than I do about, you know, like the Cardinals randomly waking up like they did, you know, in the fourth quarter of last week. So, yeah, I'm going Texan also. Keep in mind, the Texans have a really difficult schedule for the most part this year. So if I can get a chance to use them early on, against a, a, a rookie quarterback in his first start versus, you know, the number one overall pick in his second. Uh, I just feel more confident uh, going that direction. So that's where I'm going. We'll see how it all plays out. See if I can maintain my lead or if you make a ferocious comeback uh, and overtake me, Next week. And that does it for another edition of the Action Network podcast. Be sure to check out the channel all week long. We'll have previews of the Monday night game. We'll have Stuck and and Colin Wilson on, talking all the college football that you need to get ready uh, for next week. So keep on the lookout for that. Be sure to download the Action Network app where you can track all your bets. You can track Stucky and I's bets, and we're gonna probably have a pick 'em contest that you guys can enter. So uh, be sure to check that out. Until next time, I'm Chris Raybon for Stucky. Take care.
0: Go pack, go.